0: They're all saving one, or most of of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth. And he gets the run away through the onside. And Somerset have won. They've
1: won the Royal London One Day Cup. Good evening. Welcome along to Always Look on the Bright Side Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. I'm Ian Shepherd, and I'm joined again tonight by Steve Tancock. And Dan Kingdom, this is the day that Somerset have crashed out of the Vitality Blast, losing by two wickets off the last ball against uh, what was annoying me all through the day, the Gloucesters. That's which has to be the worst nickname ever given to a professional sports team in the history of professional sport. Um, We made, what do we make, 161 for seven off of our 20 overs uh, 50 off 28 from lewis gregory 42 off 35 from barbara zam and steve davis got the innings off to a great start with 31 off 19. uh and then it was uh the ian cobain show he made 89 out of gloucester's 163 for eight which took them into the quarterfinals the vitality blast courtesy of smith hitting his first and only ball for four off of ollie sale on the last ball of the innings where to start then gents where to start Uh, you can see Steve is pointing at me down down the zoom on the webcam okay let's let's deal with the elephant in the room right now you are captain of Somerset it is the 19th over has just finished who are you bowling myself (laughs) does that mean No, no Lewis Lewis yeah
2: Lewis I am bowling Lewis as well, but I can see
1: why they chose Sale. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can see why they I chose think- Ollie Sale as well, and I did. I did defend it um, when I did the pod with um, Gibbo the day after uh, the not Warwickshire game, the Birmingham Bears game, um, where he bowled that little over in isolation. I kind of it was the sense of right. This is our guy. This is the plan, but plans have to be flexible and. Lewis Gregory went for I think six in what would have been the eighteenth over I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was 11 Wasn't it?
2: was eleven. He went for. Oh, was that, I was in he went the for six. Oh,
1: maybe he got hit for one of the last. I think point. it was
2: six in his first over, eleven in his second
1: over. I'm not going to argue with you, Dan. um But having said no, I, that, <laughs> I'll double
2: check now. I'll double check. That's double
1: checking. He definitely only went for a, I think it was a six. It was a picket fence. One 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 in. uh either his first or second over he only did bowl two overs in the end
2: his first over he went for uh, yes yeah, seven his <laughs> second over he went for eleven and also one of the seven was a leg by so it was only six of it. so six and eleven <laughs> he went for um, Gregory's yeah so it was the 18th over he went for eleven Sale had gone for twelve in the 17th over but obviously Sale had bowled those two good overs in the power play um, yeah, and uh, of those twelve, it was one was a six, and then it was five singles and a wide. And Gregory was similar, yeah, six mm-hmm. and five singles. So in those terms, it's fairly equal in terms of they just you know, inter- if you're going mm-hmm. off what the, the overs that they've just bowled. Um, I suppose the fact that Sailor well in the power play may have been a factor, and I think, I think yeah, the reason they've been they're continuing to persist with Sailor at the death is because they wanted to become a good death bowler, and because it's the only way he'll learn. And I suppose. I think it's the kind of thing that Jason Kerr will say: is that we can't just. Well, he won't say it as directly as this, but we can't just change our plan of having Sale bowling at the death just because it's a close situation. You know, that, that's how I think they'll see it. I think they'll say, "No, we've got to position with Sale at the death because he's our assigned death bowler." And I know that there are flaws to that, obviously. But and I do think
0: that's all very well, Dan. If next season Sale is our death bowler, if well, we did yeah. this time now we've got yeah. to stick with it next season and also
1: yeah, also, also guys if I may there's being a guy who bowls at the death and then there's being the guy that bowls the last over mm. so you can, you can bowl you know, what the death overs depending on how many wickets in hand they've got it could be anything from uh, 15 onwards so he can quite easily bowl two overs in the death but if you've got a guy Lewis Gregory who has played 113 T20 games, a few of them for England and you've got Ollie Sale who's bowled 10 it just makes sense to me that the guy who's bowled 100 and, uh, who's played 100 odd T20 games who would have played a hell of a lot against Gloucester as well, don't forget so there is yeah. there is that aspect of just knowing the little foibles and, and tells that that um, the opposition batsmen have got and just having that sixth sense of, of where they may, may like to hit the ball yeah, and you can accommodate Ollie Sale, make him into a death bowler, not the guy that has to bowl the last over from game one in his career, which it or game two in his career, which yeah. it seems like what they want it's to do. Yeah. Um, it just seems like to me like you could groom him into that role a bit more rather than just dropping him in at the deep end.
0: The, the yeah. thing is, Ian, and the thing is, and that you can look back on this game today and see all kinds of times for example the last three balls of our innings mm, when we did score a
2: run
1: that two that yeah. Ollie Sale took when Roloff was at the other end that was mad yeah
2: I was thinking uh, get the single get the single yeah yeah. you can look back over the
0: competition and see all kinds of instances like that mm-hmm. that's the nature of 2020 cricket yeah my problem is exactly what Dan's saying that I don't think we are flexible enough in game situations yes you have a plan of course you have a plan but what happens if, what happened? Heaven forbid, Ollie Sale tweaked his hamstring in the second over he bowled. What, what happens then? You know, mm-hmm. Lewis of Bold. Okay, he got he'd been clumped for a six by Cobain, which ruined his second over. But as Dan says, he's the guy with the experience, and I always look at the unused overs. Oh yeah. And you know again perhaps there. Were, uh, again i'm not going to criticize lewis goldsworthy but maybe he bowled one over too many in the middle mm-hmm. there when roloff yeah. had an over to spare yeah, and you can analyze and it's easy for the three yeah. of us sitting here what 4 yeah. hours after the game's finished you know at our own levels of cricket we've been in those situations and known the pressure but you what are the coaches saying i've heard jason kendall say you want to dominate the opposition and you want to give yourself the best chance mm. of winning and for me and this is not a criticism of Ollie Say at all he's a Somerset player I'm a Somerset supporter and I'll back him to the hill like the rest <laughs> of them but I think it's really unfair in that situation and the, the big tell for me was listening before that last ball was bowled, how long you had Tom Abel, and Lewis Gregory mm. talking to me. I think he did really well to hit the cut strip with that last ball because his mind must have been completely frazzled. No one would blame him.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, Can I explain,
1: uh, go on, Dad One thing
2: that's important is that we don't. It's easy. Yeah, another thing, as what Steve was saying, it's easy to say well what we would have done at this point. Another thing is that we don't know and we'll never know what would have happened if, for example, yeah if van der Merwe bowled that over instead of goals, it could well have still gone for Mm -hmm. runs. And if van der Merwe didn't get hit for runs, they were probably targeting us over, last over a spin, they probably Mm -hmm. targeted that. And again, if Gregory had bowled that death over, he probably, maybe so low a chance that we'd have lost the game, but I think we possibly still would have lost. Gregory isn't, Gregory isn't a brilliant death bowler. Like, I think, Mm -hmm. I think people forget that when he was picked for England, when he's been picked for England, it's more for his batting he hasn't really been picked on the basis of his bowling and if you look at his stats in the last few years his bowling stats aren't brilliant they're nothing special <laughs> um which, which is, i'm not trying to criticize him but they they're not they're not sensational so i just think that if he bowled we may have lost anyway and it may all have been irrelevant i have um, a slight
0: yeah. worry that i think he's got a niggle again i know i know i could be <laughs> micro-analyzing this but when you watch Lewis bowl, when he's bowling well, he does what Craig Overton does. He runs at the batsman after he's delivered the ball. And he's mm-hmm. been doing the thing the last couple of games where he does that little semicircle and almost jogs back before he walks. And that, to me, is an indication that he doesn't want to run through and then stop, that he's worried something's going to tighten up. or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I, do, James... I do think he's not fully fit.
2: Yeah, I think you're right, um, yeah. I think but, Jason uh, said that as well.
0: Right, did he? But but there's yeah. there's something there that isn't quite right for me with Lewis at the moment. And and I wonder whether he actually is not enjoying the captaincy.
2: Yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, he, obviously, he led us to the semi-finals in 2018. This year, he's made some decisions which we've all questioned. Um, and you do wonder, like, it just feels like Tom Abel is the natural leader of the team. Sometimes I forget that that Gregory is, is the captain of our T20 side. You know, I still sometimes think, oh, well, I did remind myself, oh, well, no, of course it's Gregory's captain, not, not Tom, who's captain. That's not necessarily a bad thing. You know? I'm not saying that's a reason that Gregory shouldn't be captain, but, you know, that's one of those things. Tom able just seems the natural leader of the team, I think. It is something. And yet, that, Gregory is a bit. Um, it is something that doesn't. Gregory's a little bit unfit at the moment. He didn't yeah. bowl against Glamorgan, did he? Um, Jason Kirkby confirmed the other day that um, him and Craig and Davey were carrying niggles. So that's why they've sort of rotated a bit and not bowled as much.
1: With regards to the captaincy it's something that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You would normally segregate your or separate your four-day captain and your white ball captain, but we seem to seg well we have done. We've got our four-day captain Tom Abel captain in the 50 over side or at least he was last year when we had a 50 over comp. And then for some reason Lewis is kind of off on a tangent captain in the T20 side. I'm not quite sure how, what the logic is behind that to be honest. And judge by this, the puzzled looks on your faces, neither of you.
2: I, yeah, I'm just <laughs> trying to work out. I think it's to do with the chronology of when they were given the captaincy. Go on, see.
0: I think it, I seem to remember something being said on one of the pre-seasons a couple of years ago that they're trying to develop leaders as well as players. And they identified Lewis Gregory as a leader. But mm-hmm. it's difficult, isn't it? Because you, you look at Tom Abel when he was coming up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. Quite unassuming... Whatever, and yet he's he is such a vocal and such a really, really good leader. And you know, everyone knows and reads my stuff how what I think Mm -hmm. of Tom Abel, just a really, really impressive guy, a really impressive professional cricketer and leader. And it must be quite hard to then, Dan's you're saying, Ian, and Dan, I think, was saying something similar. You then take Tom Abel's side Mm -hmm. and have to captain it with him in the side. It's very different if Tom Abel was off playing for England and Lewis stepped up to captain.
1: And especially as well since Lewis had been away with England and, and Abe's the captain aside the side for the, the first three or four blast games. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And last season Abel captained the blast as well. Um Yeah, I just worked it out in terms of the chronology of when they got the captaincy. So Abel obviously got the four-day captaincy for the 2017 season. 2017. Jim Allenby was, was still the one-day captain. Uh, well, one captain. And then 2018 Allenby was gone. Abel got the of the captaincy and Gregory got the T20 captaincy at that point and then although Abel was injured for part m- most of the one day cup so Gregory ended up captaining part of it as well and Trigo captained part of it but, um, but Gregory got the T20 side and led us to the semi-finals that year 2019 Abel you know you wouldn't then remove the captaincy from Gregory for 2019 because he just led us to the semi-finals and um, so, two thousand and nineteen, Abel was yeah the captain of four day and fifty over Gregory T twenty. Although, of course, Gregory ended up missing most of the season anyway, and Abel was captain for pretty much everything that season. So, I suppose there hasn't been enough reason to take the captaincy away from Gregory yet, and it would be a blow to him. Possibly, I suppose maybe we're almost hoping that he doesn't want it, and he resigns the captaincy mm-hmm. rather than rather than us taking it away from him. I think that would probably be the better scenario. I
0: I think the other thing that occurred to me is that I think Abel in a 20 over situation is the leader and probably makes the decisions where I think Gregory perhaps, the fact that he got Tom Abel up into that huddle probably made it worse for Ollie Sale Mm -hmm. than if he'd have just, you know, if I the the low level that I played cricket, if I was bowling the final over of a Baker Cup game or something I just wanted to bowl and I trusted myself to do what I had to do and I think sometimes it's as important to leave players alone as it is to to yeah. interfere. I don't that, that mm-hmm. delay for Olive Sale can't have done anything but made the job harder. But no. guys, the fact is, last season we nearly got to the quarterfinals and we had Jerome Taylor bowling the Death Overs. You yeah. can see what you can see the logic there. My beef is and um, I, I hate saying it, but my beef is that You've tried something, it clearly wasn't working. After the Warwickshire game that you referred to, and sorry I'm not going to call them the other name, after the Warwickshire game I think that was the time to say to him, right, okay you just go and play, we're going to find another solution, but next season you'll come back and be our death bowler. I'm worried that he's now got a much bigger mountain to climb through the off-season to get back to where we want him to be. And sometimes you have to take young players out of the firing line
1: yeah as I say he's been in so I've been through quick info so he's he's bowled the last over on pretty much every game um, I'm not counting the Glamorgan away game because we bowled him out in about 15 overs he bowled the 17th against Gloucester at home and he bowled the 19th in the first game at Northampton and I think every other game apart from that he's bowled the last over and he's gone for 14-8 18-11 eight, 21 was the bowler game 12-11-8 and eight so not especially bad there's a couple of blips in there (coughs) Uh, 18 in his final I think Jerome Taylor probably
0: beat that on a couple of occasions exactly so
1: we're maybe being a bit unfair in in sort of terms of the amount of runs that he's going for because those aren't those aren't particularly bad numbers if you're bowling the last over the innings but as I've gone back to it again in that crunch game that must the the Basically, the blast campaign has come down to that last over. Do I want the guys who's yep. played 110 games and played for England bowling it, or do I want the guys who's bowled yep. nine games
2: bowling he took, for he took it? The risk and it didn't pay off. It would have yeah. you know, if it had come off. It probably would have been sensational for his confidence, yeah. you know, and to, to see us through like yeah. that would have been amazing. Just yeah. didn't, didn't work did today.
1: It was a bit like Owen Morgan in the um, in the ODI um, a couple of nights ago. The one that you were late for the podcast for, Dan, because you finished watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, when Morgan bowled Rashid that last over, when I think he had, yeah. uh, did he have uh, Tom Curran? Tom Curran and did he have one from Wood as well up his sleeve as well?
2: Maybe uh, something like that. Maybe yeah, definitely
1: yeah. Tom Curran. But he gambled and went with Rashid and it and it didn't pay off. And you know, yeah. Ollie, Ollie Sale could have you know got three for three that over and, and but, been on cloud nine. So like you say, it is a gamble. It is sometimes so, I don't want to say the so luck of the draw, to, but.
0: If we were to go through then and, and do a report card for everyone, oh. I think I think on the whole you would give the youngsters that have played good grades here. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Know, Will Smeed, he, okay, he's not done much other than that eighty-two not out, but that eighty-two not whatever it was against Gloucester is a huge thing for him.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I, in my head, pre all this horror of COVID kicked in. The players that we've seen playing for the first team in the blast were going to be the Royal London One Day Cup side. Yeah. So, developmentally, they've come on huge amounts. I can't believe with my one reservation about don't know Ollie Sale, I hope he's mentally strong and he'll get all the support he can. If he can come through this a better player, Somerset's youth and white ball cricket is in a very, very good place. And I'll yeah. happily take not qualifying because. For the, the plea bargain that we've given all these youngsters the chances this season, which mm-hmm. wouldn't have happened for various reasons. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a shame that Don Bess is going. It's a shame that Trigo's gone. But we are seeing now these youngsters coming through who, just by virtue of experience, and that's where you've got to applaud Jason Kerr and Andy Harry, they will be better players next season. And I'm already really excited about the blast next season because I think these guys are going to walk out onto the field and you know, even if there's crowds, hopefully there's crowds and there's atmosphere, I think that will help them. Yeah. Mm,
1: absolutely. Um, yeah. Shall we have a little talk about Will Smead? Um, we kind of missed him on, on the last episode. As you say, Steve, he's got, uh, he got that 82 against Gloucester and I don't think he's got to double figures since. Um, what do you think? No.
0: I like the way he shapes. Um, he seems to have a good head on him. He's another gun fielder, as the the expression goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's, from what I read and what I hear, I think he's got a very sensible head on his shoulders, and he's probably future captaincy material as well. And yet, that's that sounds like picking somebody up early in their career. It's exactly picking like,
1: somebody up early in their career, Steve. But go on.
0: <laughs> but I think that's what the the management team the the coaching staff are looking for players like that and you know he he understands that 2020 is this format you're going to come off some weeks you're not going to come off other weeks if yeah. come wednesday morning he was in the starting 11 at lords i wouldn't be too worried hmm. and i think that's that's as high a praise as you
2: can play pay
1: yeah I agree. Yeah,
2: he looks he looks serious talent and i is I think he's I think he might have missed the entirety of last year's second eleven competition with injury. I don't think he played at all for the seconds last year. But yeah, his his numbers before that are good, I think. Um and yeah, that that eighty two showed a lot of potential. Yeah, you know, he he's a he's quite a technically correct batsman, I think, and he's, he seems to have potential in, you know, in all formats. Mm-hmm. Um, he always, everyone always remembers that hundred he got with Trez a couple of years ago, batting with Trez in the second eleven a couple of years ago. You know that's when people start to get excited about him, and he was 16 years old at the time. So, just got a second eleven century at the age of 16 it's great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I
1: wouldn't imagine there were too year, many threes in that one if he was batting with Trez.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, I suspect next year he'll be, you know, he, he's got a chance of being an RT20 side again, um, and you know he he might be pushing for four cricket I suppose maybe he's a bit further away in that but and obviously if it's if it's a normal season he'll be playing 50 over the 50 hmm. over competition obviously so there's lots of chances for him to develop and yeah he, you know, they, they, people have said a lot of good things about him he looks like serious talent so yeah, I don't want to, obviously we don't want to big him up too much though and, <laughs> uh, this oh, early yeah, stage you
1: know, definitely so. not yes don't and get ahead of of course ourselves. we
0: seem to be the development seems to be that Lamb and B is going to be the finisher that seems to be the role that they're trying to create for him as well isn't it I've got no yeah.
1: problem. Yeah. I mean he's what did he came he batted well with Abe's on Friday night, didn't he? What did they oh, put yeah. on? eighty one. Yeah, What's hundred and forty six exactly. minus eighty one?
2: Sixty
1: five. You're the accountant, Steve, you should know that. Yeah, unbroken it with um uh with Abe's on Friday night. What did he get today? And that
0: was that was really classy batting because they were rotating the strike they were taking the easy singles. Mm-hmm. Knowing yep. that the bad ball was going to come along, that the pressure was on the bowlers. It was it was as comfortable as you can be watching a T20 run chase, I think. Mm-hmm. I thought they both batted yeah. very well. And then Lamanby at the end just had to have his bit of fun and and Lara yeah. and the Sixes. I've been impressed with those I two when they bat together
1: because um, um, obviously they had that big partnership in the four day game against Gloucester where uh, Laman's got his Maiden 100. Uh, they batted well in the four day game against Worcester and a couple of times in T20. They, they're they just seem to, what you know, when you've got that sixth sense with somebody, and you just seem to run really well together, and you kind of feed off each other. Um, Dan Dan
0: won't remember yeah. this, but Rose and Denning, when they started opening together, they had that ability, and I had the fortune and misfortune to play against them in a preseason game, and their ability to run singles—they never called once, and just knew they would drop the ball into a, you know, in like t twenty mm-hmm. running back in the nineteen eighties, you know? Um, and I think you see that with the two of them. It just happens, doesn't it, that some partnerships gel.
1: Yeah. You just do like yeah. you say, you just knock it, go. And
0: and, and sometimes you enjoy <laughs> batting with somebody else. That you relax more, you mm. you get the vibe from I don't know what it is. It's so same with bowls. Bowl you know, bowling in pairs sometimes works really well. So yeah, again, if they're two and three in the long term Somerset batting line up, I'm a happy Steve. Mm.
2: There's one brilliant. thing I really liked about Lam and B's innings the other day was when we got to I think we hit, he hit a six and that made the scores level, and I was saying right what, what I really would love him to do here is hit another six because the six compared to the one would help our net run rate. Unfortunately, the next ball was a dot, but then next ball yeah he hit the six and mm-hmm. that six I mean I know it didn't matter in the end but I had a look and that 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 six compared to a one did make us you know a difference to our net run rate by like zero point zero five or something so. I just hope that he had that net run rate okay. third, I, heard, I heard that he, he walked well.
1: Dan, I did hear that you he walked up the steps um, of the Colin Atkinson Pavilion went in the long room and fist bumped Jason Kerr and said 0.05 so you're probably not far <laughs> off there <laughs> oh, I'm
2: sorry <laughs> <dear. I'm> so
0: <laughs> Vivi used to love doing that, that he, what he would do is he would cream somebody for the most glorious six yeah, and then the next ball he would play the most immaculate boycott like forward defence, <laughs> and he would do it and it was his way in a one day game or a championship game and he'd do it and it was his way we all thought at the time of just showing I have the absolute mastery over you and yeah. I'm not comparing Lamb and B to Viv before anyone says what the heck's he talking about but I think it gives you an idea that mentally Lamb and B's together and he's in a really good place and in fact he could yeah. do that you know he could he could have had an almighty Yahoo at the next ball and got out, and he didn't. He waited in the ball after as Dan says was in the slot. Bang,
2: yeah, glorious. Okay. loved it.
1: Right, shall we wrap up the T20 then, gents? I want your biggest positive and your biggest negatives from the campaign. And to give you a chance to think, I'm going to start with me. Uh, my biggest positive is, unsurprisingly, the emergence of. Uh, the young players that have come through um, I mean, Ben Green had a great start and he seems to have um, fallen out the side um, you've got four wickets against Morgan uh, my biggest negative is Eddie Byron running out James Hildreth and tearing his hamstring, who wants to go next
0: biggest positive for me will be Lewis Goldsworthy um I know he went for a few today, but I think he's demonstrated that he can replicate what he's done at under-19 internationals for Somerset. Uh, And the way he batted at Glamorgan was huge. The biggest (laughs) negative for me is really obvious and Kapolny, but just not having crowds in has been so hard for all of us, I think. It's been great that we've had cricket to watch, but... oh. Doesn't it make you want to be there even more when you know you think you can perhaps cheer a bit louder or help them a bit? It's just so frustrating.
2: Yeah, for me, I suppose the biggest positive was that we that we got close in the end. Um, a, few, a few games ago, I thought we were out. Turned out, you know, that we got close in the end. And in the end, I think, you know, f- three games ago, we thought we were out of the competition. That I thought, I looked at the table and thought, no, there's no way we can get through. Then we won our next two. We gave ourselves a chance today. It didn't work out, but you know, the fact that we were there. Um, on the last day you know able to cheer them on from home you know that that's probably the positive for mm-hmm. me I think the fact that it went we we took it down to the last game um, the last ball seven. was the last game well exactly yeah so the negative um, yeah this is not a criticism of him I was just sad that Eddie Byron couldn't follow up on his um, good start to his T20 career last year I, I've lost track of the number of times I've reminded people on Twitter and Facebook how good Byron was in the T20 last year is he he had three scores of forty four or more at a strike rate of two hundred, which is seriously good for a player who no one could no one thought could play T twenty cricket. Um and he can, comes comes into the side and does that, you know, fifty on debut um off nineteen balls. Um so it's just I was just sad that we he couldn't um, build on that this year. He looks a bit out of form, but hopefully next year, you know, he'll have had another year to learn and um, you know, who knows what what'll be going on next year, but hopefully he'll be back in the side and back to his form last season.
1: And of course, we'll have Stumpy back as well. (laughs) Stumpy will be back. (laughs) Um, Before we crack on um, with our next weeks Steve, I think you had um, something that you uh, something quite personal you wanted to just have a little um, a little mention of. Yeah, just
0: just after the game, thank you. And just after the game finished this evening, I got a message from uh, the daughter of a Somerset player of some vintage uh, guy called Roy Smith. He made his debut in the late 40s, and as my dad constantly told me when I was growing up, we weren't very good in the late 40s. Uh, Roy Smith went to Hewish's with my dad. He taught me maths at Hewish's and was an absolutely brilliant teacher, and he also coached football and cricket. He played for Somerset for about 10 years. Um, He was a handy slow left arm bowler, but he batted sort of upper middle order usually. apparently was coached by Jack White, so he must have learned a few things from, from the great man. Uh, he made 77 not out against the Australians uh, in 1953. And the thing I remember most was that I looked him up when I was a kid and found that he's only 100, as Somerset was at Froome, which for those mm. of you who remember, Froome was quite a small ground. And we used to have this constant back and forth when we were co- he was coaching me about you made 100 at Froom, such a tiny ground. And he used to say, Harold Gimlet made his first 100 at Froom." so we had great things in common. And he always said to me, when you've made 100 for Summers, then you can come back and take the mickey out of me. Um, he was a lovely man. As I said, he um, wasn't in the best of health over the last few years. If anyone's got uh, the wonderful series by Stephen Hill and Barry Phillips, have a look and read about number 373. He was also a really talented footballer who had trials for Tottenham and Liverpool and could have played for either, apparently, but was homesick. So I just wanted to, after everything that's happened on the field today, just bring the Somerset family back and from a personal point of view, pass on my thoughts to his family and to say thank you, Roy Smith, for everything you did for me as a mathematician, an accountant and, and hopefully a half decent cricketer for some time, rest in peace mate
1: Thanks Steve that was um, yeah, really nice obviously, uh, condolences from myself to, um, to Roy's friends and, and family as well Right, what's everybody doing on Wednesday?
2: <laughs> Watching it hopefully, I mean <laughs> I'm, I'm currently on furlough from my job so fingers crossed I'll still be on furlough at that point so it's a bit marginal then i might be back so who knows well, I, I, people will be watching.
1: I am back but i'm in the office on my own so um yeah i can have a, i can have the youtube stream steve presumably being uh, yeah. self-employed you'll be um, uh, <laughs> um, you won't have to ask your boss's permission my
0: time this i should be managing my time this week guys uh, and obviously a plug for the blog i've been doing a few build-ups um, I'm going to try and keep on top of what's happening day by day. And if it goes into the weekend, you never know, there might be a section by section post if it gets exciting.
1: Well, let's hope it does get exciting. Oh, and uh, one thing that we... Um, Steve Davis got through the blast unscathed, um, Steve. <laughs> so. Wasn't that great when I, I actually
0: <laughs> turned on at the moment that Snell was having his, his challenge with Don Bess. On Friday, yeah, I'm quite I'm glad sure that uh, yeah. thought, he did look at the best of it, did he? Old goodness, <laughs> he's having a net. I was, I was just going to say, they were going to say, Steve Snell's been taken out of the commentary box and he's going to have to play because of an injury. So, thank you, guys. That wasn't the best cup, no disrespect to Mr. Snell. That wasn't the best couple of minutes. But uh, one thing I will say, um, Tom Abel said a couple of weeks ago, and, it, and Jack Brooks said something similar that they're just going to go and play the game and take the emotion out of it and last year doesn't mean anything and I've been I've been, I'm um, the other way with it, I've, I've got a lot of emotion and a lot of <laughs> ill will after the way everything was handled. You want to see a bit of needle um, do you Steve? Uh, I don't want to see a bit of needle, I just I'm just really pumped for this, really pumped for this, um, I know it won't be the championship if we win it and I have an asterisk and all that sort of thing but I do hope that um, some of the pictures of the Essex captain of last season helping the umpires with their consultations, mm. um, and I will say, Essex conducted themselves with great dignity when they got awarded the trophy on our ground last year, because that wasn't easy, mm. and they could have really milked that, they didn't, but I'm afraid for me, they undid all that good work by their subsequent actions. and. You know uh, that will linger along with me. I'm afraid I, I'm very, very unhappy about the way they did that.
1: Yeah, it is definitely. A, are you seeing is it a chance for revenge, Dan, or do you want to just see a nice game of cricket with uh, handshakes all round? Yeah. Or are you are you, are you first looking first, for yeah. Craig Owen to get in Alistair Cook's face first ball?
2: <laughs> what well, I want to see is the match we should have had last season. You know, because it was destroyed by rain last year. Uh, I want to see a proper good game of cricket this time, um, you know, on a neutral ground so that no team has the, you know, Siderabad or, or whatever Chelmsford's nickname is. You know, it's just two teams on, on, uh, on a hopefully a good cricket wicket, hopefully with not much rain. I think the forecast is a little bit dodgy, but it's not terrible. So we'll see a good match, hopefully. And um, yeah, hopefully, I think it's a battle of the bowlers. I think that's the way I see it. I think that both Keep teams talking have.
1: Down. I'm looking up the weather forecast. <laughs>
2: both teams have fairly well batting lineups so it's it could come down to who can bowl the other team out quicker I suppose but Anthony I think our, yeah, the our batting so has been
0: favourites doesn't
1: he Essex will so. be marginal favourites I'd have thought yeah yeah,
2: yeah, yeah I, I suppose Gibson so I think, has, I think our batting has I think our batting has been but possibly it's been better than, the, than theirs this season though you know we've in terms of just average runs per wicket, we're we're better than Essex this season. Uh, I suspect we're, we've got have more centurions um, we've got players like Lambe, who's in form, you know, Abel, Abel, Abel's in able 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 to inform. we'll miss Hilldrift which is a shame. But you know, we've got Bartlett to come back in. So he's look he's had a, yeah a century, so yeah, it's going to be a good game. And obviously, our bowling has been better than Essex's as well. Our bowling's obviously been sensational, but obviously with the caveat that we've been mm-hmm. possibly probably playing some weaker teams than Essex.
1: So the weather forecast is a bit iffy on Wednesday and Thursday, and then it's going to be cool but dry for the remaining three days. I'm really excited. This is something that I, have we ever had a first-class five-day final in the UK before? No. I don't think we have. We haven't, no. have we? So this no. is that's something I'm really excited for. Just this brand new thing. This the, the culmination yeah. of this this Bob Willis Trophy. Um. And just seeing how how the guys how the guys um, how the guys take to it, I think it's going to be like you said. I think it's going to be our bowlers against their batsmen. Um, obviously, they've got Porter and Harmer and Cook, um, but I do think we um, we definitely shade it in the uh, in the bowling department. Batting wise, maybe if Hildy had been fit and Byram had been in form, we'd have been more or less matched. But I think I give it to them just on the batting as you say Gibbo was right I think they are slight favourites but I don't think we're uh, we're massive underdogs by any chance I've written my team down and I've got a couple of holes in it you can probably guess where they are um, who are the two guys that you're going to fill these spots with I've got Lamanby blank Abel Bartlett blank and then Davis Gregory Overton Davy Leech and Brooks which I think is probably what the nine that you we'd all agree on are we sticking with yeah. Green to open or we bring in Byron back?
2: I would pick Byron because he had I think it's been forgotten a little bit. He yeah. had a very valuable thir- 30, didn't he, in the first innings against Worcestershire. Mm-hmm. Um when we, we that was recovering from 130 for six or something. You know, I d I don't think Byron has has done so badly that he should now be dropped. Yeah, and so was, I would and he was him triggered
1: wide. second time around as well. He we got a shocking L B in the second
2: dig. So Yeah, that's true, yeah, that's very yeah. true. Um, the only way the only reason he I not, uh, at five, did, didn't he at Worcester yeah he did so it's whether he opens or well, yeah, green opens again the only reason I wouldn't play Byram is if, if if in the T20 campaign he's sort of become so out of form in the nets or whatever that he just can't bat but <laughs> I'm sure that's not the case so I I would pick him um, and uh, yeah, I suppose it's Green or Smeed. I suppose, isn't it? Is mm. the uh, is the other choice, or or even Goldsworthy? But I would I would stick with Green and Byron, and I think they'll probably stay in the same positions. I'd rather keep them where they are from the Worcester game, to be honest.
1: I haven't heard anything about Hildy making a a phoenix from the flames resurrection type recovery from that that hamstring uh, I niggle. Think it's
0: Very unlikely. Very unlikely.
1: Are you are you uh, agreeing so, with uh, with Dan on those two picks there, Steve?
0: I, yeah, I think it. I think it almost picks itself. And we, the things we don't know is, I think we know that Hildreth is very, very, very unlikely to play. And if he does, it'd be a huge risk. And probably Essex wouldn't allow us to have a sub if he injured the injury recurred in mm. the So, I think we can rule that out. Uh, ben Green, has he been left out of the T20s just to let him do Red Bull specific stuff over the last week, or is has he got a knock or something? Um, but I would. I would definitely pick Byron at five. And having dropped him from, moved him down from opener, I think it's a big ask to then stick him back up the top again. So Ben Green or, as I said earlier, if Will Smead walked out with Laman B to open the batting, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be worrying too much, which for me is quite a good state of affairs.
1: You'd be worrying if it was Steve Snell though.
2: Um oh, no, I- <laughs> Gonna let us down, that's happened That was it, was
1: it? New Snell, I think, I think yeah. we've done our best to talk Steve Snell into a gig at Lords, guys. I don't think it's going to happen, <laughs> but uh, we did our best, Snelly Sorry about that.
0: We could always throw out the Bubba question again because there was that rumor going around that he was going to play at Worcester.
1: That was a rumor that I started, Steve. I don't think it was that ever going to happen.
0: No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you might, have, you might have been one somebody that started it, but there was talk that there were conversations going on between the Pakistan board so who, no. knows?
2: who it, knows it needs to be know what they're doing they'll have put a rule in the competition saying that overseas players have to have played in the group stage to have played in the final it'd be a bit unreasonable if he came in for the final having yeah because
1: you but, could yeah, you could be on the phone to Coley or Steve Smith or whoever couldn't you or,
2: exactly.
1: you've actually got an over the game been, mate it, Yeah, well, 20 grand it, it, was,
2: it was Essex who effectively made who um, and for, forced that rule change to happen 2010 finals day they signed Dwayne Bravo um, solely for finals day mm. and after that the ECB changed the rules for the T20 competition that you had to have played in the group stages to play in the knockouts to no, say Dwayne Bravo was smashed and didn't get any runs and Essex crashed out in the semis. So,
1: oh they're going to do it aren't they you just know Wednesday morning at Lord's Who, who's, who's a big name that's not in the IPL Proper test player who's well, not in the IP Some,
0: it be Pakistanis, wouldn't it?
1: That's oh the yeah, thing. they'll probably sign Baba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do love a conspiracy theory, guys. Um, let's have a prediction then. Let's have a prediction for the Bob Willis Trophy final.
0: really hard, really hard. I think it is going to be the first innings of the game is going to be absolutely crucial. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to caveat it. I think if Somerset back first and get a score that is competitive, and I'm thinking 300, 320 first innings, I would be very confident from there.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, if yeah. Essex back first, I think we have to shift them for <laughs> 200 to 220 tops so that's my at the moment that's as far as I'm prepared to commit because I hmm. think we don't know the conditions you know if it is a bit rubbish on Wednesday and then they go out and play and the pitch is difficult to bowl on the bowlers are funny you don't know at the moment so I think you've just got to look at that first innings and of course the first innings is important because if it's a draw then it's the, the first innings lead that that wins yeah. the trophy mm-hmm. isn't it yeah so, if it
2: rains that, then the first innings might decide it yeah yeah, I think I, I want to if it does if rain is around I think I want to I want to bat first because I, I just I would hate I just I hate that pressure of if Essex bat first and there's rain around and we know that there's probably not going to be a result I would hate Essex to hate, if Essex get 200 <laughs> we have to get 201 against Harmer Porter Cook and it might just be so difficult I can just see it now like on sort of day four or day five after the rain um I just think I think if in those situation in that situation I think I want to bat first, get the runs on the board, and then we can put pressure on Essex with our bowling attack. And yeah, you know, hopefully they,
0: they're not get- going to want to bat against Leachy in the fourth innings. And if we can avoid it, we don't want to bat against Harm in the fourth
2: innings. Yeah, we want to bat first. Yeah, always bat first. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't see this one going in a vastly different way to the way that most of our games of this season over the last few seasons. I don't think. Um, I'll be very surprised if anybody gets over 300 I think it'll be one of those games where the innings just start at 260 and then maybe just go 240 mm-hmm. 220 yep. and then needing I don't know, somewhere like two 280 to win well, you need to make that that highest score of the match to win in, in the final innings
2: um, and of course I'm Unless great. the pitch is really flat, it'll be a low score, I think Do I think,
0: think the fact we played at Lords last year is an advantage and, and no crowd being there, I don't think that that has an impact, and we all know, you know, time immemorial they've always said that bowlers who aren't that used to bowling at Lords find it hard, so Mm -hmm. there hasn't been much cricket played at Lords, not much blast cricket has been played, so I don't think Essex, if they did, they played a T20 there, so again, if I'm looking for crumbs to, to even the odds at the moment, that might be one thing that I hang on to
1: yeah, certainly the pressure of the Lord's final being being fresh in our memory has got to be an advantage for us. I just want it to be, uh, yeah, I want, to, I want a bit of needle, Steve. I'm going to be the opposite to you. I, I want, I yeah, I want to see people in each other's faces. I want to, see, I want might want to see a few fines and a couple of bans thrown around as well. Just, oh uh, yeah, just let's really get into them and let's get some revenge from last year. Let's you know, let's be a bit nasty. Let's bring a bit of mongrel to the fight. No,
0: these these aren't connected overtly but the sort of synapse in my brain link the two together is there the option that Jamie can come back for the final did anyone uh, hear that
2: there might be whether there's technically an option or not in the loan contract I don't know but in the I don't know if I'm allowed to say this technically in the backstage pass interview um, a few days ago Jason Kerr someone there was a, was a question and part of the question was is could Jamie come back but the question was how is, how's Craig Lewis and Davies niggles and could Jamie come back if necessary and Jason just answered by saying that we expect Craig Lewis and Davy to be fit for the final and he just ignored the Jamie part of the question so I think I think he's confident yeah. that, that they'll all be fit but I, I, I'm not I, don't, I, I seriously mm. doubt we'll be recording Jamie at this point uh, he's, he's probably enjoying his time at Surrey he's, he's doing quite well in the T20s isn't he so I just can't imagine he'll be back I don't think he'll want to come back necessarily yeah, could he, could he
1: could, I, mean, I I guess he could come back off loan but then could you loan him back out again afterwards is that maybe a
2: Surrey will want him for the T20 quarter finals potentially yeah I'm not that probably is allowed technically but I can't see it happening
1: no I think yeah I think if we had if we had a couple of injuries we it might be an avenue we'd look to explore but i think with the uh, the seam attack that we've got plus jack leach and don best could potentially come in as well if if the pitch demands it um i think we've got all of our bases covered gents are we done for tonight any other business Yes, mate. Thanks, so excellent well no, for me mean if any Somerset players are listening very best of luck for the final at Lords on Wednesday, we'll all be watching rooting for you and uh, hopefully sending some congratulatory tweets as uh, as Tom Lammenby and Tom Abel enjoy batting together to the tune of a 450 uh, run second wicket partnership with them both making unbeaten double hundreds to secure the Bob Willis trophy in the final innings of the match against the forlorn Simon Harmer who's bowled 16 overs, none for 180 it'd be nice wouldn't it gents all the best uh we'll uh i'm sure we'll catch up after the bob willis trophy final for uh steve tancock and dan kingdom my name's ian shepherd thanks for listening to always look on the bright side of life best of luck to somerset in the bob willis trophy final and we'll catch you next time
0: come on somerset
1: okay so uh this is a bit of a stock press uh the official podcast recording is finished steve and dan are long gone on zoom but After we finish recording we did decide that after each day's play we're going to do a quick always look on the bright side of life bite size, just having a quick look back at the main talking points of each day's play. So we're going to try and do that as soon as we can after the close of play each day. Uh, Give us half an hour to record it, a couple of minutes to upload it. So we should be with you around 40-45 minutes after the end of each day's play. So please do join us if you can for always look on the bright side of life bite size after each day of the Bob Willis Trophy Final.